if you watch much of what's on the various streaming channels, it seems that uh, miniseries seem to be a very popular thing to, to watch. And so I'm going to adopt and, and, and have a miniseries myself. Now, this miniseries, uh, it's in your bulletin. But I'm going to tell you what it's not before I tell you what it is. All too often in churches and in the world today, we like to take serious matters like sin or terrible uh, decisions and call them mistakes. If you know about subtraction and the principles of it, and you take, let's say, 53 and subtract 13, and you come up with 41, you made a mistake. If you wear white after Labor Day, you may or may not have committed a fashion faux pas based on what the current fashion icons tell us, whether you can or can't wear white after Labor Day. Those are mistakes, but I'm not talking about mistakes. The title of this series is No Good, Very Bad, Terrible Decisions. Because it seems that we all make them. And some of us make them in more of abundance than others. And so what I want to go through in this temporary, this, this uh, limited mini-series, if you will, is to go through some different people in the scriptures who have made no good, very bad, terrible decisions and see what we can learn from that so that we don't make those very same very bad, no good, terrible decisions. And the first people I'm going to take a look at is Adam and Eve, not because they're chronological, because uh, I'm going to skip around comes to history, but I think what we can learn from them is, is, uh, is very uh, profound. Now, I believe, and I think, that Adam and Eve are real people. I don't think that they're a story or a myth to explain how we all got here. Why do I believe that? Because I believe that the Word of God, especially the first five books of Moses, is the Word of God. And God told us how it came about. I further believe it because Jesus, the Son of God, who we are told was the one who created everything, confirmed the stories and the information given to us in the, in the Scriptures. And so if he was there then I believe him. So I believe Adam and Eve were, in fact, the first man and woman on the earth, and we all come from them. And that is why I don't believe that there are races. There's one race, the human race. There's a lot of ethnicities. There's a lot of different things, but we all come from that one couple. And um, that's all I want to say about that. So, I want you to take a look at Genesis chapter 2, and we're going to start with verse 15. It's a story that you've learned probably if you ever went to Sunday school, whether you were in nursery or elementary or high school. It's one of those things that we all seem to know about, 
but we seem to kind of look at the overall picture and sometimes we don't notice the real um, minute detail which gives us more understanding. And so in verse 15 it says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. So first, God put us there. Now sometimes we think that the whole reason we got to go to work is because Adam sinned. No, it was God's original plan that we work. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean you show up at an office five to nine to five. Uh, that work may be being a parent. That work may be being uh, a missionary. It may be all kinds of different things, but God has called us to work. He started it out in the Garden of Eden, and when he comes back and we roll and reign with him in the millennial afterwards, we are going to work again. We're not going to be strumming harps on clouds. Work is something that is not a penalty. It is something that God intended us to do. So he's there to cultivate it. Now, because of the sin, things don't go as well as it should have been, but that was the plan. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, from any tree of the garden, you may eat freely. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. So God places the man in the garden. And he says, you get to rule and reign over it. It's yours. You get to work it. You get to the benefit from it. There's just simply one restriction. And that one restriction is there's a tree called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You don't eat from it. Now, after we all know what happens, we all see that part of us in Adam. As I frequently tell you, I could probably go the rest of my life with never eating another bite of ice cream. Until you tell me I can't have ice cream. And then that's what I want. And there's this sense of that man is always wanting what he can't have when God has placed restrictions. And again, God places restrictions not because he wants to limit our fun or our achievements or what we're going to do. He limits it because he knows what's best for us. And in this case, he knows what's best is to not eat from the tree of the garden of good and evil. And he not only, he makes it very clear, you, he doesn't say you may not eat it, you shall not eat it. It's a command. Don't do it. Then the Lord, God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a, him a helper suitable for him. And so I'm going to skip. And, and if you went to Sunday school and all that, you, you know, God puts a, a deep sleep upon him. He takes one of Adam's ribs and he fashions a woman and he gives the woman to the man. And there's an instant chemistry. And Adam thinks God's done a wonderful job. And they become husband and wife. She's to be his helper. She's to be there with him, to help him, to work, to companion him, and to do all of those things. And I want you to skip over to Genesis chapter 3. And I have no idea how long that, how long Adam was alone, and how long Adam and Eve 
who are at this point simply called the man and the woman, have been in the garden. It may have been a week. It may have been a day. It may have been a thousand years. We're not told because it's not important how long it was. What happens next is what's important. And so in chapter 3, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. So right off, Satan comes to question Eve, to challenge God's authority, which is exactly what Satan always does. Satan is a liar. Satan is one who always wants to challenge God's authority because what he wants is for people and others to worship him and not God. So he comes to Eve with an ulterior motive to get her not to pay attention and to follow what God has said. And the woman said to the servant, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. Now I want you to notice there's been something added to what God said. God said, you shall not eat it. Eve quotes and said, you may not eat it or touch it. Now, I don't know who came up with the extra language. It could have been Adam who told her, God said, don't eat it, don't touch it, because he's trying to put guardrails up. And we as humans tend to do that. For instance, in the scriptures, it tells us that we are not to boil a kid in its mother's milk. And for the Jews to avoid that, they tell their people, you can't have a cheeseburger. Now, the last I saw, when I go to the grocery store to buy hamburger meat, it isn't made from a kid. It isn't made from a goat. made from a cow. So that part's wrong. The second part is, when I get that cheese, it's usually produced from a whole different kind of cow, what we call a dairy cow. So it's very unlikely that the dairy cow has any connection with the beef cow. So, but, but the fear is that you might violate it. They put up extra guardrails. So I don't know if, if Adam did that or Eve just made it up, but you get into trouble when you misquote God. And there are a whole lot of churches, unfortunately, that are doing that today. We misquote what God said. Oh, God wouldn't send anybody to hell because he loves everybody. Then why did he send Jesus? People want to tell you what they think about the scriptures rather than what God says about the scriptures. And so when you find yourself being told something that isn't truly scriptural, but is either added to or subtracted from, you're very likely to make a really bad terrible decision because you're going to think something is different than it ought to be. Now, what we're going to see in this case and many other cases is that many times one bad decision doesn't lead to irrevocable or catastrophic consequences. But we do see when there are a series of bad decisions that that can happen. And so the woman 
misquotes God. And the serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. He countermands what God has to say. He basically calls God a liar. You're not going to die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So first off, he lies about what God has said. And then he lies about the reason God has said it. He says, the reason God doesn't want you to eat from this tree is because you'll become like him, because you'll know the difference and know about good and evil. Now, God knows about good and God is good. He knows and has observed what is evil, but he is not evil. But that one attribute doesn't make God only God. God made the world. God made man and woman. God made the universe. God is all-powerful. God is omniscient. God is omniscient. God is who God is. God is love. God is holy. God is all of these things. And simply because Eve may know what the difference is and what is good and what is evil and know these things will not make her God. But Satan doesn't care because Satan's a liar. So he challenges God's authority and rationale. Now here's where we see the second bad decision. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, How does she know that? There are a lot of fruit that look really tasty. It can be really bitter and terrible. Just because something looks good doesn't make it good. But she's now starting to rationalize what she's going to do. So she saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eye. And that the tree was desirable to make one wise. Now I want to tell you she's flat wrong we're going to talk about this later but knowing good and evil does not make you wise she took from its fruit and ate she justified what she did because it was looked good for food it was desirable and it would make her wise so she rationalized her decision and don't we do that we rationalize what we want to do. We don't say, well, is this good or is this bad? We take a decision and then we rationalize it. And you can see that from your friends. When your friends make a bad decision, you'll hear them and they will rationalize why it was that they did what they did. And then what they want you to do is do what they did also. Because then that justifies what they did. And so she misquoted God. She rationalized her decision. So what did she do? She violated the word of God. Because even if the word of God said you're not to eat it and not to touch it, she did both. But the word of God said you're not to eat it, and she did anyway, knowing And she gave also to her husband with her. Now, those last two words I read ought to have a profound effect. She gave it to her husband with her. 
Now, let me tell you what we tend to think, and I tend to think that that's wrong. We tend to think she ate, and then she said, I need Adam to join with me. So she took the fruit to him and gave it to her. I don't think that's what the scripture is saying. I think Adam was there the entire time because he was with her. So he remained silent during the entire conversation between her and Satan. He did not intercede as he should have as a husband, as a man of God, as a caring person, saying, no, no, that's not what God said. God said, don't eat it. Don't eat it. But he let her do it. And then he ate it himself, knowing God said no. Now, I think what Adam should have done, and I'm not saying I'd have done it if I'd have been there, is Adam should have, other than speak up, when she ate from the fruit, he should have said, God, please come. I need you to do one of two things, God. During this time that we have been husband and wife, I've really grown an attachment and love for this woman. And I hate to see anything done for her, to her. So can you redeem her now? What is it necessary to forgive her for what she did? And if you can't take that, if you can't do that, can you put me to sleep and take another rib? Because that one's broke and I need another one. But that's not what Adam did. Adam was willing to violate God's command. Aren't we all sons and daughters of Adam? He did so when he should have stopped he did so even after Eve did so. Oh, that he would have said, Lord, forgive her or make another. But he didn't. So then the eyes of both were of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloth, loin coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden of the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Everything changed now. Their relationship between husband and wife changed because they discovered somehow being naked was shameful and they needed to cover themselves. And then they knew because that they had done what God had told them not to do, they were ashamed and hid themselves. Could you imagine what it must have been like to walk with God in the garden? Because they violated God's command. Their sin and their shame caused them to hide. And all too often, our sin and our shame causes us to hide from God. 
that relationship that God had wanted to walk with them in the cool of the day, to be with them, to share with them. Could you imagine the wisdom that they would have gained by simply walking with God as opposed to eating some fruit? She violated God's command. He violated God's command. She rationalized it. It simply appears to me that Adam chose to disregard all of that and watch it all happen. And then partake himself. And as a result, all has changed. Now, in verse 12, we see that there's not much difference between the first two people and the rest of us. Then the Lord called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And he, being God, said, Who told you you were naked? Now God doesn't need Adam to answer the question. He doesn't ask the question because he doesn't know the answer. God knows the answer. Just like we saw in Job, God will ask us questions to get us, us to understand what we've done. So he asked, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? Now, Adam has a choice. I saw a, a little video uh, the other day of this little kid. He was probably maybe 18 months, two years old, not more than three. He had blue icing all over his face. And apparently the dad, because the dad's off camera, the dad asked, did you eat the blue cake? And the little boy goes, no. And he looks really sincere and really honest. And you would believe him based on how he said it. And the sincerity that came out, problem was there was icing on his face that was blue. So they asked him again, did you eat the blue cake? And just the same amount of sincerity and, and conviction, he goes, no. Adam could have done that. But he knew he was dealing with God. So he came up with the other way we explain our decisions. The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave it from me from the tree and I ate it. So God, it's really kind of your fault because you gave me this lady. And then I, she ate it and I took an ate. Well, wonderful. Except you had the decision to say no, but he didn't. So you might want to blame others and hold other people accountable for what you should be accountable for. It doesn't pass must. But he tries, and so do we. We always want to blame somebody else. Somebody else is accountable for our bad decisions. Then the Lord, God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. 
So she does exactly, she follows on Adam's response. She doesn't try to blame Adam. She blames Satan. He deceived me. But you rationalized it, Eve. You're the one who thought the food would be tasty. You're the one who thought it looked good. You are the one who thought that it would give you wisdom. And instead, what it has given you is shame and sin and separation. Then God is going to deal with them. Before I finish, I want to... We have this tendency in this world that we live in is very evil. And every day it seems to get more and more evil. And what I hear over and over again as we hear all these more and more evil things happening in the world is why. We want to know why it happened. Why was this evil done? Well, the tree was supposed to give us that knowledge of the difference of good and evil, and apparently it didn't, because we're always asking why. And let me tell you that the answer of why will never satisfy you. If someone takes a gun or a knife or a hammer or something or an axe or whatever weapon you, that you want to choose, and beats the life out of a family member of yours. And you ask why, and they say, well, the person was mentally disturbed. Uh, his parents had an alcohol problem, and so did he, and he grew up with an angry disposition, and he just hated the world, and that's why he did it. Does that satisfy you? Oh, okay, that's, that's great. I feel better now. I'm, I'll go on with my life. No, there's that missing of that person, and it, the answer doesn't satisfy. Instead of asking why evil happens, we should do what the Word of God tells us, and that is found in Romans chapter 12, verse 9. I'm going to take the second part of it. Abhor what is evil. Cling what is good. Instead of asking why evil, we should be sickened by it. We should turn our eyes from it. We should run away from it. We should not want to understand it at all. Instead, we should cling to good and run away from evil. Not justify it. Not rationalize it. Not say, well, if we understand it, it'll all be okay. No, run away from evil. Because ever since that fruit was taken, and ever since that bad, really bad, terrible decision was made, we've all paid the consequence. That's the bad news. So, when you're coming to make decisions, make sure 
it's in conformity with the word of God and not some addition or subtraction from it. Don't rationalize your decision. And don't justify it or seek to hold others accountable. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Here's the good news. I don't care what terrible, bad, lousy decision you've ever made in your life. Jesus paid the price for it. When Adam and Eve had sinned and they're removed from the garden, they're just not kicked out. God shows them something. He sacrifices an animal so that they understand that there is going to be redemption and it will come from the sacrifices of animals. And he's going to teach them that there's going to be a redeemer. And how do I know this? Because when Cain kills Abel, and Seth is born, Eve is convinced that he's the Redeemer. So she already knows that there's a Redeemer coming, and she's hoping it's sooner rather than later. But he sacrifices that animal, showing that there is a penalty for sin. And then he covers them with that animal to take away their shame. And that is exactly what Jesus has done for us. He being sacrificed and his blood being shed for us takes away our sin and covers our shame. So, whatever bad, terrible, no good decision you've ever made that ends in sin and tragedy and catastrophic consequences, Jesus forgives. God is merciful and he loves and he showed that even from the first really bad, terrible, no good decision that had catastrophic consequences, not just for Adam and Eve, but for me and you. Because we can see in this short passage how we do the very same things. We seek to justify. We seek to to blame others. We seek anything other than our own responsibility. But we are responsible. But God has covered it. And all God's people said. The band is going to come and we're going to sing a song called Love Ran Red. Because in all those terrible bad decisions that we have made, his love ran red for us that we might be forgiven.